If you're uh, visiting or if you're a family member, uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, this is a space for everybody. So, bienvenidos. Um, bienvenidos a casa. Welcome home. Um, if you're like me, feeling far from home, sometimes during the Christmas time, I hope, um, I hope today brings some comfort uh, to you. Um, we've been doing a series uh, called Worship and Adore Him. And uh, talking about Christmas songs, and wanting to take some time to look at some what the what some of the meaning behind some of these Christmas songs are, uh, and there's the great debate. And uh, yesterday I got to participate in the Bennett's great debate about when uh, Christmas songs are appropriate. And Wendy started this last week talking about right whenever. Yeah, so, so half of the camp is like whenever, the other camp is like you know after a certain part, right? And uh, and here's the definitive like answer really it just comes down to the moment you hear Mariah Carey sing a Christmas song it's on it's Christmas time Christmas starts when Mariah Carey sings uh, I was listening to the NPR podcast and they were like well we could start Mariah Carey and they played it and it was like like three or four days before uh, Thanksgiving and I'm like yep started Christmas has started so um, that's the definitive answer as a Puerto Rican, um, Christmas music is really important to our culture, uh, and it's one of the things that I miss the most uh, about Puerto Rico, and it's something I look forward to going home. Um, you know, we have a very loud culture, and um, <laughs> and our Christmas music is very loud and very special. It's amazing, right? And uh, we have this uh, traditional instrument called el cuatro, and it has like these 12 strings, and it's kind of pingy, but it sounds awesome, and um, someone should like do an electric, like cuatro solo. No, you don't really do that. But it's like very folksy for us, uh, kind of very um, traditional. <clears throat> so I have a mint in my mouth because I have getting over a cold. So you hear it rattling around. Actually, <laughs> don't worry about it. All right. So, um, but one of the one of the music, some of the music that we love in, in Puerto Rico. One of the things that I miss the most is in Puerto Rico we have this tradition called la parranda. And in, in Santo Domingo, lo celebran parranda, hacen parranda. Okay, so in, in, in our culture, and I guess in other cultures also, la parranda, so basically it's Christmas carols on steroids. Basically what you do is you show up at your friend's house or your family member's house after they've gone to sleep. And you get a bunch of your friends together and you, you creep up to their house and there's these instruments that you play. They're very traditional to that, like guido, la maraca, whatever. But, and there's these drums. There are three drums called las plenas. And there are, um, the, the three drums play a different rhythm each drum. And I wish I own, I, I don't own a pair. Um, and I wish I did because I would have been up here like, bah, 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 right? And you play them in different, each one has a different rhythm. And on their own, the rhythms don't sound super, super great. But when you put them together, it is the bass sound of all Bombay Plena music, right? And it's just, there's thousands of songs that you can play to these rhythms. And the best part is, you get to wear your hat, and you get to, like, play the thing. You're like, bah, bah, bah. Now, some of these songs are a little problematic when, you, when I, I've started to think about some of the songs that, that we sing. Uh, some of them are a little problematic. One of the ones that I love is... Um, Goes, el lechón se coge, se mata y se pela. Se pone en la vara y se le da candela. Right? Julie's like, yeah. Right? Uh, well, basically, the song is like, you, you know, you grab the pig, you kill the pig, you skin the pig. You put him in, you put the, the metal, uh, uh, spit, you put him on the spit and you roast him. That's the song. 
you know, it's not so PC, right? Some of these songs, you know, uh, but, you know. Um, but anyways, it's a, it's a really fun part of my uh, culture and heritage. And uh, we used to do this with the youth group. And, you know, you, you basically you sneak up on someone, you, you know, and we'd do it with our youth. I mean, the biggest one we did one time was 120 people. We had, we had a big, like, charter bus, like, like three, like 15 passenger vans and, like, 13 cars rolling up on someone's house, right? And, you know, trying to get, keep 100 teenagers quiet as you sneak up into this house, right? We're so loud and screaming and yelling. I mean, it was just, like, one of the funnest experiences of my life. Of course, they knew we were coming because you don't have food for 120 people um, just, just kind of sitting around in your, you know, in your basement. But anyways, like, every culture has their music. Uh, and not every culture celebrates Christmas, of course, but um, every culture has their music, and their music, um, our music is special to us. It's important to us. It, it, it brings with us um, some of our ancestral meaning, right? It brings with us some of our, uh, it carries some of our culture of who we are, uh, of what defines us. And, um, and uh, in the, the Jewish songs um, that carried a lot of their culture were, were some of the Psalms. And there was, um, there's something very beautiful about the Psalms. There are these incredible songs. Um, and there's a word in many of the Psalms that is repeated over and over again. You can find it in them. If you open up your Bible to any page of the Psalms, you'll most likely find it. It's almost, it's more than 70 times um, in the Psalms. And it's the word Selah. And maybe you've noticed it and you've never thought about it. But in the Psalms, there's, after a phrase, it says Selah. And we don't know exactly what it means. Uh, it's been lost to us. But there are several leading um, un- understandings of what it means. And one of the predominant meanings is it is a word that marks a moment to pause and reflect on what has been said. And so it, the, the psalmist will be singing these songs. You know, say, give praise to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Selah. Pause and reflect on that moment, on what is being said. Think about it. Don't just take it for granted. Don't just sing it through. Don't just run through the song, but stop and think about it. Pause, meditate on what's being said. And I feel like um, it's appropriate for us as a church. Uh, it is appropriate for us as followers of Christ to take a, to take a moment to pause and to, f- and to reflect on what some of our songs that we sing mean. And as Christmas moves farther and farther away from its, its meaning in our culture, and as, as Christmas becomes so much more uh, m- uh, marketed, um, I, I think it's, there's a moment for us to pause. To st- and, and what's beautiful about pausing is, is it's not the same as like just like a full stop. You know, if you're playing your video game, right, and your mom's calling you and you're saying something, you, you pause, you're like... And then you can come back to it, right? You know, um, you know, or you're you're, you know, watching a, a movie and your wife comes in and is like asking you for something. You pause, right? But then you can con- continue, right? And so uh, it's this notion. Let's let's take a moment to to pause, to stop and really reflect. Let's take a moment to say la, to think about what the song is singing. And today, um, our song for today is. Um, oh, holy night. Um, and <clears throat> so a little bit of background um, uh, to this song. It's actually got a really cool story. 
So um, O Holy Night was written in, in between 1884, uh, 1887, uh, somewhere around in there. Sorry, sorry, 1843 or 1847, sometime in that time. A couple places that I looked up, it had one date, some had a different date. It's not important. Anyways, um, <coughs> excuse me. So it was, it was written because um, this little French town, the parish uh, priest, uh, they had just um, had their organ recently renovated, and they, for uh, Christmas mass, they wanted to celebrate a new song, and they wanted to have something special. And so he uh, he went out and he got um, a, a local poet who uh, was from that town to write them a poem for Christmas for that Christmas Eve service. Um, and his name was uh, Capo, and he wasn't a religious man. Um, but he was from that town, and, he, and so he wrote this, this poem. And, um, and then he, he looked at his poem, and he's like, man, this really needs music to it. This needs something else. And so he knew this man um, named Adolfi, uh, uh, Adolf uh, Ad Adam, and, uh, he, and he was a composer. And he had uh, Ad, uh, Mr. Adam uh, write the, the music to this song. And now here's the thing. Well, we'll get into that in a second. Um, yeah, we'll get into it now. So, um, Capo wasn't a religious man, but he knew enough, and he he took the Gospel of Luke, and as the story goes, what he did, he was riding in a coach from the town to Paris, and in that time it took him, he sat down and he, and he wrote this poem based on the Gospel of Luke. Um, and the composer um, uh, was a Jewish man who didn't celebrate Christmas uh, and, and didn't recognize Jesus as, um, as the Messiah or as the Lord. Yet he still wrote this song for the music for this. Uh, when the church found out that uh, the authors and the composer and who they were, it actually, um, the song had like gotten really popular on that night at Christmas Eve. It was beautiful and everyone loved it. And it started to be played all over France. When they found out that it, uh, who its composer were, they uh, they banned it. It was banned. It was a song you couldn't sing uh, until uh, an American named John uh, Sullivan Dwight uh, was looking for a song. He was uh, and heard this song, and I don't know how he found it, but then he he translated it into English, and that's the song that we sing today. Uh, his translated version, and he was an abolitionist. And if and as we look at the song. Uh, well, well, you can see some of uh, some of that coming out. But uh, some other notable events on this song, uh, tradition and legend would tell us that um, in 1871 there was this uh, this war between France and Germany, and uh, on Christmas Eve, during one of the battles, a soldier stands up in front of the, all of his men. A French soldier stands up in front of the lines. Everyone was hunkered down, kind of waiting for something to happen. And this man stands up, and he goes in front of the whole, uh, his whole army and the German army facing him. And he throws down his weapons. And in a loud and proud voice, he starts to sing, O Holy Night. And the German army is not sure what to do. Do we shoot him? Do we, you know, what's happening, right? And they stop, and they, and they pause. And then they, uh, a, a, a German officer goes before his army and throws down his weapons 
and starts to sing a German song, a German Christmas song. Uh, and for 24 hours, they have this ceasefire and this peace as they celebrate Christmas together. Another interesting moment in the history of this song is uh, in 1906, there's no internet, uh, there's, no, uh, there's no TV, Christmas is very different, you know, there, uh, A Wonderful Life hasn't been recorded yet and, and shown uh, Home Alone, which is a Christmas movie, hasn't been uh, replayed a million times. And there's this man named Reginald Fezzeden, and he is, um, he is a scientist, and he is an inventor, and he worked with um, Thomas Edison. And, um, and he started to work on, uh, on radio broadcasting, and he was the first to broadcast a radio program. And at 9 o'clock Christmas Eve, 1906, um, he broadcast the first radio program in the history of humanity. And what he does is he reads the Gospel of Luke. He plays a song on the phonogram, uh, handles Largo, and then he plays a violin solo of um, O Holy Night. And so one of the first songs that was ever played on the radio is this song, which, which tells the story of Christmas. Now here's, the, here's, here's one, something that I want us to, to take hold of. The, the poet who originally wrote it, the composer who uh, wrote the song, didn't fully grasp, I don't believe they fully grasped the meaning. As people who, who weren't followers of Christ, they, they, they created this beautiful thing, this beautiful song that sings of the message of Christmas, of Jesus. And yet they, I believe they missed the, the true meaning of what it was really about. The soldiers who sang the song on, on Christmas Eve, yes, it great, created this wonderful pause, right? 24 hours where they could, could, could just take a break, a minute to, to, to reflect. But then they continued battling each other and, and, and killing one another, right? And, and, I, and I hope for us, as we pause and reflect on this, that we wouldn't miss really the meaning behind this song. Let's not miss... Uh, the, the true power in this song. And so I want us to take a look at the song. I want us to look at it, um, what it means. But not only that, but I want us to be able to connect with what I, th- what I think the power and the meaning of the song is. And so uh, the song breaks down into three verses. And actually, most people don't sing. Mariah Carey didn't sing the, third, the second verse, right? Most people don't sing the second verse. Um, but I want us to look at all three verses and all three choruses um, in the verse because I think that there's something for each of us. I think there's a, there is a, so I want us to look at um, the audience of who it's directed to. I want us to look at uh, Christ and the birth of Christ and the story of that, uh, of the birth of Christ and its meaning in that verse and the, the invitation that it gives to each of us uh, in each of those um, verses. And the first one, the first verse is this. And, uh, and it says, Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And the audience to this one, I think, it, it speaks to, uh, it starts out with night. 
the darkness of night. And it's not a dark, dark night. The stars are brightly shining, but it still is night. And see, the, the, the thing with night is things are scarier at night. Things are always harder at night. Things are difficult in night. If you've ever been up at night with a pain, uh, I used to get wicked ear infections, and it would keep me up all night, and I just would pray for morning. I could just hold on till morning. But at nighttime is the darkness. And, um, you know, the long lay the world, right? The, the words thereof in sin and air pining. We find the first verse written to an audience who's found itself in darkness, found itself in sin, found itself in the midst of that night. And Christmas is a time for celebration, but it's also a painful time for many people and a difficult time for many people. And the scene that we find is that, it, that the world at this time had been in long darkness of sin and error, and pining. Pining means to, to be longing, to be searching for desperation, for, for something more, right? And so this Christmas, if you find yourself in that space of darkness, maybe, maybe a tragedy, maybe a difficult season, maybe there's a sin that you've been holding on to, hoping that this would bring meaning and life to you. And in that space you find yourself, in that darkness, well, this is the hope, right, of Christmas. That Jesus appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope. A weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Christmas. The story of Christmas is the story of that Jesus is reaching out to that darkness. See, here's what's beautiful about Christ. Is no matter how dark the night the light shines as bright as it needs to, to, re- to get to you. As far as the depths of the sin that we find ourselves in, that's as far as grace is willing to go to find you. As deep as the sin is. Um, Romans 5, 20 says this. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. There's this incredible moment where Jesus is actually, um, there's this beautiful story where there's this juxtaposition between the righteous and the sinner, where Jesus is uh, invited by this Pharisee to go and have dinner at his house. This Pharisee, this righteous man, this person who would be a beacon of religious rightness, right, of privilege, this man of privilege and power, invites Jesus to this, to this table. And Jesus goes, and he's reclining at the table, and in the middle of this uh, meal, a woman comes in. And she steals away to where Jesus is, and she lands at his feet. Now, when Jesus is sitting at this table, he wouldn't have been sitting at a, a, on a chair. He would have been reclining at a, a, a table that would have been on the floor. And so he would have been um, kind of leaning in on the table, and his feet would have been um, facing away from him. And this woman comes in, and she falls at his feet. And she starts crying and wetting his feet with her tears and wiping his feet with her hair. And she takes this expensive perfume, and she pours it all over his feet. And, and this act of submission, of fear, of love. 
she anoints Jesus' feet. And Simon, indignant at this woman, indignant at Jesus, looking at this moment in, in just like, ugh. He says in his mind to himself, he says, if Jesus were really a prophet, he would know what type of woman is touching him and who she is. And Jesus looks at Simon and says, Simon, let me tell you something. Simon's like, yes, Lord, what? And he's like, there, was, there were these two people, and both of them owed their master a, a great amount of money. One owed them a great amount, and one owed them a little amount. And neither of them could pay them back, and he forgave them both. Which do you think will love the master more? And Simon thinks about it, and he says, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the greater debt. And Jesus said, yes. He said, I came into your house, and you didn't give me water for my feet. Yet this woman has not stopped anointing my feet with her, with her tears. You did not have someone come and wash my feet, and yet she has dried my feet with her hair. You did not give me oil or anoint me with oil, and yet she has anointed me with perfume. And he says, she has, um, her sins have been much, and she has been forgiven much because she has loved much. The one who forgives, who has been forgiven little, will love little. And then he looks at the woman and he says, go, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has rescued you. And the Greek word there is zozo, which means to be like rescued from death, like, like scooped away from a fire. And um, it's this beautiful picture because on the one hand, and Jewish culture was this honor culture, right? You have this, this man of power and prestige who's then brought low and humbled. And this woman who is humbled and, and, and on the outside who is then elevated and honored. And this is the thing about, and, and, and the beauty of, of, of how dark our sin is, is that Jesus can go even as far as our sin is, as far as the sin it may be found, right? Enjoy to the world, right? How far, how far does it go? As far as the sin is, right? It's one of the lines. I don't remember the actual, how the song goes, but sorry. Anyways, I shouldn't have brought it up. Anyways, Monica's like, don't bring it up if you don't know what it is. <laughs> she didn't even say anything. Anyways. <clears throat> but as far as dark, as deep as our sin is, that's as far as deep the love of God, the love of Jesus given to us on Christmas Day. Goes. And so the invitation to the sinner today is the invitation to the, to the one sitting in darkness, to the one feeling uh, the weight of your sin on you. The invitation is fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine, the night when Christ was born. Oh, night divine. Oh, night divine. The invitation is to fall on our knees. And then falling on our knees is a position of humility, a position of confession, a position of uh, humbling ourselves before the baby, before our Lord, before Jesus. Don't hold it in. Don't try to fix it yourself. Don't think that you can just, if I just keep being a good person, this will go away. It won't. The solution isn't to try to fix it yourself. The solution is to fall on your knees before the Lord and give it over to him. And he will take it from you. He will take it from us. Then the verse 2 is for the searcher, for the seeker, right? It says, led by the light of faith, a serenely beaming, with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. 
so led by light, a star sweetly gleaming. Here come the wise men from the Orient land. The king of kings lay thus in lowly manger, in all our trials born to be our friend. And the, the, the Christmas story behind that is actually found in Matthew, uh, and is the story of the Magi the wise men. These were men of renown from far away, distant lands. They were disconnected from, uh, from the story of Jesus. They were disconnected from uh, the Hebrew faith. They were disconnected from, they didn't grow up in the promise. They didn't grow up knowing about the Messiah. But in their study and in their pursuit of truth, they saw the star that announced Jesus' birth. And they had to know and in pursuing knowledge, it led them to Jesus. And so for the seeker out there who maybe you haven't fully turned the corner, maybe you're still questioning, maybe there's still desire and to know, and maybe there's still things that you're wrestling with. But the invitation is that as the uh, wise men were led by this star, that the information that you have sought, the, your pursuit of truth has led you to this moment, to this community, to this place. And, um, and to Jesus, who was born in a manger. Right? He's breaking all traditions, breaking all thoughts, right? This king was not born into power, but as, as Wendy so wonderfully uh, shared last week, was born into this hum- humble place. And the person who was marginalized, those on the outside at his birth and in his life are brought in. These wise men seeking truth, seeking knowledge from a distance are brought in. The shepherds who are, were, were the low of the low in, that, in their community were outside, were brought in. They heard, the ans- they heard the angel calling out and were brought in. Ephesians 2.17 says this, that Jesus came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And so let that star that has been illuminating, let the questions that have been searching, that you've been seeking, let the truth that you have been looking for, find it in Jesus, in the story of this baby born. And so the invitation, the chorus invites us this. He knows our need to our weakness, no stranger. Behold your king before him lowly bend. Behold your king before him lowly bend. The solution also to the search is in the same as it was to the sinner. To surrender. To humbling ourselves before Jesus. Before our King. That it is no longer my life that I live, but that I can lay my life down in the surrender of my King. And the last chorus says is for us, for the saint, for the the believer who is following the Lord, who has uh, found their king and is following him. And it says this, truly he taught us to love one another. His love, his law is love and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break for the slave. He is our brother and his name all oppression shall, shall cease. 
sweet hymns of joy. In grateful chorus raise we, let all within us praise his holy name. And so the call for us who have met Jesus, who know Jesus, is that we would allow him to teach us love for one another. And that that would be what is our anthem and our song and what we are known for. That we would be a people who extend love. His law is love and his gospel is peace. And that we would be participants in breaking the chains that the slave would be elevated, that the lowly would be elevated, that the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the immigrant would be elevated, that those needing justice would be elevated, that those in slavery would be elevated because the news, the good news of the gospel is that those who are far are brought in, those who are down are brought up, those who are unequal and undeserving are given the right to be called children of God in equality with those in power. And so we are called then as believers that our role as people who have met and who know and who are following Jesus to participate in injustice, in that pursuit of justice. And so where do we find ourselves Um, this Christmas, to bring love and to bring peace. And those those can be easy things as uh, sitting around. Last night we had our, our, our Young Life Christmas party, and, and someone was sharing their story of us as a child uh, being uh, just in poverty and not having presents and not having a gift uh, from their family. And um, the Presbyterian Hospital 168 uh, the, the doctors there had gotten together and made a pool and were, were giving away these presents and these gifts. And they found out who in the community needed them and they went and they gave them these presents. And he, he said that it was one of the best Christmases that he's had. And he said that his mom was just in tears because of the generosity of these people um, because they, they didn't have money to give a present for her son. And so it is, falls on us to be a light, to be that love, to be a, a, a beacon of hope. And so where can you find a space to, to give, to love? Not just in Christmas time, but all year long, all throughout. And so then the chorus for us is, Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. And so the movement of the song is first to the outsider, the sinner, lost, lonely, in, in the darkness of night, that the birth of Christ brings light and brings life. And then it moves into the seeker pursuing truth, right? The, the, the confession of Jesus as Lord, that he is king. The humbleness to bow before him, to submit ourselves to his lordship. And then the third verse, right, is to proclaim. We, we get to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is, the gospel of Jesus to our world, and to be the ones who show the love. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Change, chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and his name, in his name all oppression shall, shall cease. And so it falls on us. The call is to us 
to be a participants in bringing freedom, in bringing life, in bringing love, in bringing light into our world around us. Larry's going to hand out a, um, a little uh, sheet. And Rob, this is your cue. <laughs> I want to invite us to take a moment to meditate, to say la, to pause and reflect. Um, where do you find yourself today? In which of these boxes um, do you find yourself? Is there, uh, and, and well, I'll give you a few minutes to read over, to pause and reflect. Is, do you find yourself in, um, in the first chorus, right, struggling in a world of sin and still holding on and, and, and feeling in the darkness? Well, the hope is that there is light, that morning has come, and that Jesus, in confession, there is freedom, there is life. Or maybe you're in the second one. You're searching. You're still in pursuit of truth. And that has led you to hear. And that has led you to question, is Jesus the Messiah? Is Jesus the truth that I've been looking for? And the invitation is in humility to see the King and to recognize Jesus. Or maybe you're the saint following Jesus. And it's just a reminder of our place to claim that Jesus is Lord. Philippians uh, 2 says that all knees shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is through confession, it is through humbling ourselves, it is through pro- proclaiming that Jesus is Lord that we find the freedom that uh, this song offers to us, that Christ has offered to us, the life uh, that was given to us on Christmas Jesus was was born and later on as he would die on the cross for our sins and um, offer his life as a ransom for our own to pay the penalty and that's why we can confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and cleanse us from all the things we've done because Jesus paid it all so don't hold on to it but come come to the as you're uh, meditating on that, um, I'll give you a few minutes and then we'll participate in communion.